Welcome to this episode of the National Police Association podcast number 21. Police rescue kidnap victim, Arizona Medal of Valor honorees named, and police action shootings reviewed. From Brookside, Alabama, Alabama.com reports a woman was kidnapped at knife point in Brookside and held against her will in a van until lawmen rescued her after a chase and gunfire. The ordeal began when a citizen notified Brookside police of a kidnapping in progress of a white female on Brookside Colberg Road, said Brookside Police Chief Mike Jones. The witness said a black male was trying to drag her into a wooded area when he spotted the witness and then forced the victim into a white van. Two Brookside patrol units spotted the suspect van passing Sharon Heights Baptist Church at which point the suspect rammed a witness's vehicle. Officers attempted to stop the suspect vehicle but he fled on Bivens Brookside Road and the chase was on. Additional officers responded to assist and were able to block the suspect vehicle on Mount Olive Road where they could see an injured woman bleeding from her head being held against her will and forced to the floorboard by the suspect. Officers tried to make entry into the van, but the suspect fought officers and rammed a police unit as he fled that scene. Police again pursued the van and requested tactical response units to assist. As the vehicle approached the area of Joe Nail Road, officers were able to barricade the suspect's vehicle. The suspect attempted to run over a Brookside officer at which time the officer shot into the van as it drove into the front yard of a nearby residence. Jones said officers barricaded the suspect vehicle and established a tactical perimeter surrounding the van. The suspect held the victim at knife point barricaded in the rear of the van. Tactical response units and Jefferson County Sheriff's deputies arrived on the scene. Officers tried to negotiate with the assailant as he continued to hold the victim hostage. The suspect was demanding the officers kill him, Jones said. The tactical officers breached the rear of the van, made entry, rescued the victim and took the suspect into custody. Jones identified the suspect Sean E. Sanders of Los Angeles, California. He has an extensive criminal history involving assault, kidnapping, and narcotics arrests, Jones said. The van was equipped with a cage in the back, wire cages over the windows and had blankets covering the inside preventing anyone from seeing inside. The doors were also chained shut from the inside. Jones said the victim did not know the suspect. Sanders was transported to the Brookside City Jail pending multiple felony charges including kidnapping, assault, criminal mischief, reckless endangerment, attempted murder, attempting to elude and additional charges will be formally announced as investigation continues. The woman was taken to the hospital in stable condition. The guys did a great job, Jones said. From Arizona, the Daily Independent reports Arizona Governor Doug Ducey announced the inaugural 2019 Arizona Medal of Valor honorees recognizing heroic public safety officials who demonstrated extraordinary acts of valor, courage and heroism, a release states. The honorees were selected by a review board made up of law enforcement and public safety professionals. Mr. Ducey issued an executive order on August 5, 2018, establishing the Arizona Medal of Valor. The honorees are Troopers Tyler Adenhofer and Henry Roan Horse Jr. with the Arizona Department of Public Safety, Officer Alvaro Silva with the Tucson Police Department, and Sergeant Joshua Wade with the Glendale Police Department. Arizona's brave first responders and members of law enforcement are heroes in every sense of the word, Mr. Ducey stated. They put their lives on the line to keep us safe, 
and Arizona is grateful for their courage and heroism. The Arizona Medal of Valor is just one way to express Arizona's sincere gratitude to the honorees as well as all law enforcement personnel and first responders. Mr. Dean Hofer died in the line of duty July 25, 2018 when he responded to reports of a person throwing objects at vehicles along Interstate 10 in Avondale. A scuffle had ensued and Mr. Dean Hofer was shot by the suspect, who had gotten a hold of another official's firearm. Mr. Dean Hofer was hired by the Department of Public Safety in September 2017 and graduated from the Advanced Trooper Academy on May 4, 2018. He served in the U.S. Navy before joining the Department of Public Safety. Mr. Roan Horse saved a driver from an oncoming train on January 6, 2018. The driver was in his car on the train tracks and would not move himself to a safe spot. When Mr. Roan Horse observed a train quickly approaching, he pulled the driver out of the car, ultimately saving his life. Mr. Silva maintained exceptional composure and prioritized public safety when confronted and aggressive gun-bearing suspect on March 17, 2019. After the altercation, Mr. Silva immediately summoned medical attention for the injured suspect, ultimately saving his life. Mr. Wade saved an elderly man from a burning motor home on January 4, 2019. He used a ladder to climb up to a window and, with the help of a neighbor at the scene, pulled the man from the home, ultimately saving his life. The Arizona Medal of Valor Review Board selected the honorees. Members of the review board include Arizona Peace Officer Standards and Training Board Chairman and Yavapai County Sheriff Scott Masker, Department of Public Safety Director Colonel Frank Milstead, Phoenix Police Chief Jerry Williams, Timber Mesa Fire Chief Brian Savage, Department of Forestry and Fire Management Director David Tinney and Governor Ducey's Policy Advisor for Public Safety and Military Affairs Jenny Thompson. Every day, first responders and members of law enforcement risk facing dangerous and adverse situations in an effort to keep others safe, Yavapai County Sheriff Scott Masker stated. The Arizona Medal of Valor recipients displayed incredible acts of bravery to protect others, and we appreciate their unwavering courage. The honorees will be recognized at an award ceremony in 2020. From Hartford, Connecticut Blue Lives Matter reports the Hartford State's attorney has determined that law enforcement officers were justified in using deadly force in four fatal officer-involved shooting cases that had been languishing for years. The oldest of the cases dated back to 2008, while the most recent occurred in 2012, according to Hartford State's attorney Gail Hardy's now-completed reports. I again wish to extend my condolences to the families of the deceased for the loss of their loved ones and my deepest apologies for the time that it has taken to complete these reports, Hardy said in a statement, according to the Hartford Courant. I am also publicly committing myself to the timely completion of all such investigations in the future. The prosecutor also apologized to the law enforcement officers involved in the cases. I also extend my apologies to the police officers involved in these cases who have also waited longer than they should have had to for the formal reports on these investigations, she said. Hardy did not explain why the cases languished for years, but did note that the Connecticut State Police can take up to two years to complete their investigations and submit them to her, the Hartford Courant reported. The Connecticut State Police said it was not responsible for delaying Hardy's final reports. 
We have no indication that it ever took the Connecticut State Police two years to turn over the fatal shooting investigations, Department of Emergency Services and Public Protection Commissioner James Ravella's aide, Brian Foley, told the Hartford Courant. That being said, oftentimes it takes the prosecutors some time to review the investigations and it's common for them to ask for additional information or investigative steps, Foley added. The Connecticut State Police is actually required to turn over officer-involved shooting investigations to the state's attorney within three months in most cases, Commissioner Rovella's office said. Supreme Court Justice Andrew McDonald called for an investigation into the status of the four cases after the Hartford Courant revealed in October that they had gone unresolved for years. 27 days later, Chief State's Attorney Kevin Kane suggested that Hardy not be removed from office and recommended that she answer to the commission in a closed-door session to consider potential punitive actions. It is unclear why she did not complete these reports even though it may be understandable for her to have paused to handle something more urgent at a given moment, Kane told the commission, according to the Hartford Courant. The commission has not acted on those recommendations as of yet, and recently said they need additional information before they can proceed. Back in October, Hardy said that she had investigated the cases enough to know that the officer's use of deadly force was justified in each instance, but acknowledged that her formal reports in each case were not competed. I deal with what I have in front of me and oftentimes there's so much coming in that things that I started yesterday fall behind and I am dealing with what's current, she said at the time. The oldest case addressed the March 3, 2008 officer-involved shooting death of Joseph Bach. Police were searching for Bach after he allegedly tied up his ex-girlfriend, cut her clothing off, and violently sexually assaulted her according to Hardy's report. Bach's family members told police that he was suicidal and possibly armed with a knife or gun. A short while later, Bach allegedly robbed a bank in West Hartford and led police on a chase in his ex-girlfriend's stolen car. He crashed into multiple vehicles, including a police cruiser before he began swinging a knife at police. Bach brandished the knife in a threatening manner by swinging it in the direction of the troopers as he ran, Hardy wrote. When stopped, he held the knife like an ice pick and lunged toward the trooper when the shots were fired. The belief expressed by each trooper that his use of deadly physical force was necessary to defend himself or the other from the use or imminent use of deadly force by Bach was reasonable under these circumstances, she concluded. The second officer-involved shooting occurred on January 10, 2009, after Torian Wilson used a knife to stab a police canine during a domestic violence investigation, according to Hardy's report. Wilson, who was intoxicated and had an outstanding warrant for first-degree sexual assault of a child, was fatally shot as he attempted to attack the canine's human partner with the blade. Despite having been stabbed twice, the canine survived. Under the circumstances as presented, the officer's belief that the use of deadly force was necessary was objectively reasonable and therefore justified in accordance with Connecticut General Statutes, Hardy concluded. The Division of Criminal Justice will take no further action in this matter. The third fatal altercation occurred on May 19, 2011, after police received a call from the wife of Edmanuel Reyes, according to the state's attorney's report. The woman, reported that her husband was emotionally disturbed, armed with a gun, and that she and her two children, ages 10 and 13 years old, were hiding in the attic, the report read. Reyes, 
who had been hospitalized due to erratic behaviors and auditory and visual hallucinations in the past, opened fire on Manchester police when they arrived at the scene. While attempting to enter to rescue Jane Doe and her children, Officer William Beeler was shot by Reyes, Hardy wrote. Additional officers were pinned down by Reyes gunfire, and an armored vehicle was ultimately dispatched to extricate them. It is significant to note that during the entirety of this incident, responding officers were under intermittent gunfire from Reyes, the state's attorney noted. He fired at least 73 rounds, one of these shots struck Officer William Beeler and six nearby houses were struck by Reyes gunfire. Minutes after the gunman released his wife and children, he went to the front door of the home armed with both a shotgun and a semi-automatic handgun and leaned outside, according to the report. He gave no indication he intended to surrender. One of the officers at the scene fired a single round, striking Reyes in the head. Reyes had demonstrated by virtue of both his words and conduct that he was an imminent threat to the safety of others. He demonstrated no inclination to surrender either by word or deed, Hardy wrote. When Reyes appeared at the front door after his family's escape from the house, the officer, had reason to believe Reyes would continue to fire indiscriminately upon officers in the area, as he had been doing for more than an hour, necessitating the use of deadly force by police. Under the circumstances present in this case, it seems beyond dispute that any reasonable officer confronting the same scenario would have found the use of deadly force necessary to eliminate the immediate danger to others, she concluded. Officer Beeler survived his wounds. The fourth officer involved shooting occurred on July 11, 2012, after Hartford police interrupted a suspected drug exchange outside an apartment complex. As police were checking out the potential drug stash, they suddenly spotted several males hiding inside a nearby vehicle. Investigators later learned that the car had been stolen. The driver, later identified as Ernesto Morales, crashed into patrol vehicles and accelerated towards two officers who were outside their cars, nearly hitting them. Police opened fire, striking Morales and his passenger, just before Morales ran the vehicle through the wall of a nearby apartment building. Morales, who was hit by six bullets, died at the scene. The passenger survived his wounds. Hardy concluded that the officer who shot Morales believed that the fleeing fugitive intended to hit him with a stolen vehicle, and that he fired to protect himself from being hurt or killed. The actions of the officer are therefore justified and the Division of Criminal Justice will take no further action, Hardy wrote. This news brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how you can help law enforcement accomplish its goals visit nationalpolice.org.